Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, broadcasting live from a shack on a hill in the Mossy Creek Bottoms of Cane Creek, Arkansas. This is Lighting the Void, and I'm your host, Joe Roop. And we are live on the Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting, as well as Facebook and YouTube. I don't know what, man. There's some good energy in the air tonight. Lots of birthdays going around, and... after last night's show, I was, I don't know if you can, can't tell, but I was so overstimulated that I couldn't sleep, man. I did not go to sleep until, you know, God, I don't know what time it was. I know the rooster crowed, the sun came up before I went to sleep, and I, I, I don't know what it was about last night's broadcast, but it had me going down the rabbit hole for several different reasons like I I just stayed up listening to I think the majority of the night I stayed up listening to Thomas Campbell if it's your first time listening to the broadcast whether you're listening on the radio station or Facebook or YouTube you can uh, check out the show at Fringe FM the podcast archives are at Lighting the Void we usually catch all of those up at the end of the week and you can subscribe to the Patreon, and you can also uh, donate. And for those that have donated, thank you. So what's up, Jess, Jen, Mild Chemical Romance, Pepe, Ava? Hope I'm saying that right. Starseed, Michael, Shannon, Genevieve. Uh, just, so, just so you guys that are wondering, I did get a hold of Catalina. A lot of people have been asking about you, Kat, so I emailed her. She's okay. She's going to the doctor and stuff, so... Uh, but she's okay. That's all that we wanted to know. We just wondered if you've been missing. Quick happy birthdays out to Anthony Tyler, brother from another mother on the Fringe FM, Clyde Lewis, and our very own uh, Barbara Green, who's out jamming tonight at a concert. She said she'd catch the show afterwards. Happy birthdays. There's a lot of birthdays going around. Tomorrow's my dad's birthday, too. It's just weird. So... <clears throat> So I was thinking about, should we go down this Beelzebub thing? And a, a, a listener commented in the YouTube, and he just said, hey, look, this is what this whole book's about. That was good enough for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to read the book, but I think 
after reaching out to Gareth, I want to go down another rabbit hole. See, this Gareth situation is an important matter to me. And he's uh, he's still staying in touch. One of you is staying in touch with him frequently. I don't know who it is, but thank you. And it's like changed his whole world. Because you got to understand what we've what we've helped done with this guy, man. Like, what's up, Jen? Um, I mean, he, he was in a dark place and now he feels like we feel like, like we're a part of a community, a little fringe army here trying to figure stuff out intuitively, whatever. And he doesn't feel so alone. And that's what it's all about. So it's all about, but he did send me this message that talks about a book that he's currently reading. Now, I, I, I mean, I honestly don't know the legalities of all this, but for journalistic reasons, I'd have to think that it's okay. That it, It's like a book club. We're just reading, talking about books. And you know me, I'll do whatever until they tell me not to. But this book he's been reading, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but I thought it quite interesting when I looked at it, enough to purchase it for the show, of course. It's called uh, The Orion Book by Wes Penry. And he says that there's some really interesting stuff in here. And uh, it does have a little bit of what we call fear porn in it. Man, I'm so I'm of this um, opinion so far. That it seems to me like there's two camps, right? There's the. Obviously, the spiritual vibratory camp, and then there's the conspiratorial camp. And I don't want to say I don't I hate categorizing stuff, man, because that starts putting us in things. But these are the two energies that we're getting. And I think both are, in my opinion, both are very. They need to be out there. And so I've seen two extremes and I forget the other guy's name. So So you take a guy like and both of these gentlemen are doing fantastic work. You take a guy like Mark Passio. He's not trying to scare the hell out of you, but in a sense, what he's saying should scare you a little bit. And he's got this fiery passion behind it where he's, he's been doing it for years, trying to just get the truth into people. I've never seen so much passion in my life, just even about natural law and authenticity. It's amazing. And then you got another guy and I forget his name. I was watching it last night, but he was talking about uh, the new earth. And think about this, like Dolores Cannon, the Book of Ra, a couple other books talk about this, how the earth is supposed to go into like 5D or whatever. Depending on what vibration you are, these books say that every day you wake up, depending on what you're creating, is the earth that you're going to be in. It sounds pretty new agey, right? Like, but if you start looking into the, like the quantum physics of it all, it could, it could be real. So, but I think that this guy... This passionate guy that's talking about conspiracies believes that maybe I could be wrong, but believes that this new age guy here is probably he's got his head buried in the sand. And this new age guy here believes that this guy is on such a a low vibration that he's not going to go into the new earth. What I believe is they're all going to go into the new earth. That's what I think, regardless What's up, Waylon? Some brothers from school. What's up, uh, Robert Tolson? I've known those cats since uh, we'd be clubbing days. 
Yeah, what's up? What's up, man? Hey, Tiffany. So we're going to get into uh, uh, this book. This is a pretty crazy book. Now, it's, it's by Wes Pinner. It's called The Orion Book. Now, we're digging to try to find who the who the the enemy is, right? So far, we started off with theocrats. Then we talked about the alien empire. Then we talked about archons. What else did we talk about? Elementals, fake gods, astral parasites, Satan, Beelzebub. Talked about all those, right? We'll find this dude, right? We're, we're going to find this dude. Dudes, people, enemies, they. Or we won't. So here's the forward to this book. This book is based on more than a decade of intense research, but is at the same time a philosophical work. I love it already. When we take a spiritual path, we start with an urge to do so. Care according to the eighth hermetic principle. It has to do with focus. And after that, we need to gain knowledge or gnosis. We talked about that last night, too, didn't we? And we start researching what is out there. We read, listen to videos, and we learn from others, incorporating what we consider has the most truth, and try to connect dots. I already like this guy. At one point, we, in, we inevitably must move into philosophy, and most of what we do before that is using our intellect, our left brain, to gather information and to process it. It is an intellectual journey, but sooner or later, uh -huh, we need to move on and use the right side, which has to do with intuition, cognition, personal insight, self-reflection, healing, and creation, making a reconnection with spirit that always surrounds us and travels through us. And still, most of us don't pick it up. There's a disconnection, a little echo in my headphones, my bad. There's a disconnection with spirit, a disassociation, and still picking up on spirit around us is every true seeker's goal. Whether they are aware of it, it's the journey towards self-rediscovery. Who we really are, where we came from, what we're doing here, and where we're heading. That's the whole purpose with true seeking in our third dimension. When we have done our research, we go into action. That doesn't always mean physical action, but rather spiritual action. The right brain has been severely suppressed in us all for ages because those in control of this world don't like philosophers. I would, I would tend to agree with that. And they dislike critical thinkers. It all makes them lose control over humankind. Most of the world population uses very little of their right brain, which we might as well coin the philosophical brain. Now, I find it ironic, too, that not only is this an intellectual discussion about the right brain, the left brain, the masculine, the feminine, the polarity stuff that we've been discussing for years. But we also we also know that when we bring these two hemispheres together through hemisync, it gives us an advantage to have an out of body experience. It gives us an advantage to leave the body with a different awareness. But there must be something to it, right? And I would think if there's an eighth hermetic law, we're probably getting close to one. That's where creation takes place. It's the feminine aspect of us, the right brain, and it needs to be vastly developed in both men and women to break free from the matrix. 
That is where real awakening happens. Although the brain is just a physical vehicle and a control board for the mind, literally, creative thoughts tend to ignite the neurons in the right philosophical hemisphere of the brain. Therefore, sooner or later, the true seeker will enter the infinite realm of philosophy, which then awakens the creative side of the human mind, the higher mind, which is spirit. Not to be confused, not to be confused with soul, as we shall see in this book. As we will discover when studying this, we already we are already creators of a high order from a cosmic perspective. But our abilities in this regard have been suppressed by those who do not have our best interest in mind. Or the other perspective is, are they there to and then we, this was in that Matrix books last night. It just depends on your perspective. Are they there to make you suffer and take from you and make you a victim? Or are they there to poke at your weaknesses until you overcome them. That's more or less. I didn't say it as good as they said it in the book, but with this said, I hope the reader will have an interesting journey while going through this book. And above all, I hope it will help be bringing on the philosophical aspect of the reader. And if you guys remember, Manly P. Hall said, there's nothing more higher on this journey than a philosopher, which I don't know about all that. Some philosophy is pretty boring to me, to be honest with you. If there is something this world needs more than anything, it's philosophers and free thinkers who dare to think for themselves, even when oppressive forces try to silence them. I'm not trying to humiliate philosophy here. It's just some of those books you read, they're like, well, is the tree falls and no one's there? Is it really there? And it's like, yeah, man, I got stoned and talked about that stuff, too. Where are we going? Please don't feel humiliated by the word philosopher because we can all be philosophers by pondering what we learn about this reality and the vast reality beyond our extremely limited five senses and perhaps discuss it with like minded wherever we can find them. Thus, we can all help each other expand our awareness. Life is so much more than what we see with our physical eyes, hear with our ears, smell, touch and taste. Real life begins beyond the limited five senses, so let's explore it as it was meant to be. Let us explore how we can return to our natural state of existence for real. Let us reconnect with spirit. Now, regardless if this guy, is, when he talks about Orion, if this is going to be like real, I like his opening statement. Definitely. You don't hear presidents say that stuff, do you? So between 2011 and 2015, he posted a series of papers on the Internet, and he called them the West Penry Papers, published at westpenry.com. You guys want to check this out, too. You can go there now, W-E-S-P-E-N-R-E.com. I'm going to try to get him on the show, too. But after extensive research and through collaboration and discussions with an excellent and exclusive sources, I estimated the combined research to be a few dozen papers long, but ended up being five levels of learning over 2,000 pages altogether. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's not necessary to read the papers before reading this, but for those who like to go into details, the papers deliver an extensive concept of Orion, the Matrix, human origins, and the creation of the universe, our entrapment in the Matrix, spirit, and much more. This is an expansion on the papers, but can be read separately. Still, I highly recommend you read the West Penry papers as well before or after this book. So, this next section is called the Mother Goddess Argument. Sadly, the control starts at the cradle, Pepe said. I agree with that. So in the papers, the second level of learning, I started discussing the origins of humankind, arguing the universe is essentially feminine. Ooh, I bet some dudes don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. It's just one big feminine thing deriving from a feminine energy source. I further argued we originate in Orion and the creatrix spiritual in nature inserted herself into her own creation, which is the universe we live in. History knows her under many names and titles, and we can easily trace her back in time, where ancient texts across the entire world mention her consistently. A few of her names and titles are the Mother Goddess, the Goddess, the Great Mother, Sophia, the Queen of the Stars, the Orion, the Orion Queen, Zoe Sophia, Antu, Ninma, and Ninerzag. The further we go back in time, the more obvious it becomes that the essential creation is feminine, not masculine. So when I use the terms feminine and masculine, I'm not referring to genders. I'm discussing feminine versus masculine energies, which differ from gender. The feminine energy is the creative energy and is reflective, imaginative, and introvert. Well, The law of gender is masculine and feminine. I don't think it's different from gender. I don't know why people are afraid to say it. Well, it's actually don't. I wouldn't be afraid of that calling it gender. But the feminine energy is the creative energy and is reflective, imaginative and introverted. The masculine energy is extroverted and executes the feminine creative energy outwardly, making the imaginary feminine energy manifest. In the outside world is where it manifests. It's crucial to understand that a woman inhabits both feminine and masculine energies, and so does a man. However, most cultures and societies on earth are male-dominated, so-called patriarchal, with strict rules how a man and a woman should be and act, blah, blah, blah. Thus, we have, over time, taught women to suppress their masculine energy and men to suppress their feminine side, which also includes much of our essential wide range of emotions critical when we want to create consciously we need those things so to become emotionally and mentally healthy a person needs to find a balance an equilibrium between their masculine and feminine energies and this is where i'll agree with him on this 99.9 percent of our psychological hang-ups are the fear of 
or the tra- either the trauma or the fear, how all that stuff's uh, affected our lives at releasing that energy. Right. Men are dudes are totally afraid to be completely open with their feminine or they'll talk about it like, well, it's just the, the energy to receive. So I'm receiving in intellectually, but you're still talking about the intellect. You're like feminine energy is romance, art, creation, beauty, motherly stuff. And dudes are like, I don't do that. You know, like every, anytime I've done that stuff, uh, my dad came down on me. My mom called me this. My brothers and sisters called me that. And same thing with the women, right? It's all, it's like the yin and yang. And it, the way I look at that is that little circle inside both of those things. We're just protecting that energy. That's what we're doing. We're just protecting those little dots. And then every now and then we'll go, okay, it's safe to let it out. It's safe to let, and when we do, oh, we get hurt. So we go and protect those little dots again. I think we're being socially engineered to do that. And that's where I'll agree with like people like, uh, especially Mark Passio. So these papers are quite controversial by reaffirming that we live in a feminine universe. I'm not using the word reaffirming for a reason, although my information is generally being well received. It is sometimes met with some adverse reaction or hostility. Well, yeah, I would imagine. So though my claim about a feminine universe is not new or made up by me, it's, it's ancient knowledge. Suppressed by a ruling patriarchal hierarchy of world rulers. Anyone can go back to the ancient text to see for themselves something I also discussed and made clear in the papers. Therefore, that we're living in a feminine universe is just a reaffirmation of something that was once well known. The mother goddess religion is far older than the patriarchal god religion. And later, I will explain how and why the god religion replaced the goddess religion to such a remarkable degree. Or you could say, Wes, that it's really maybe the source isn't just one gender. And because we're here on Earth, like the pendulum swinging could say that people who followed the ways of the mother goddess in the ancient past long before payartry took over and became an issue did not engage in worship to begin with worship is something sophia the spirit goddess is not in favor of instead humans and female shamans who could connect and communicate with orion the greater universe from within this matrix this is going to get weird Many still had some memories from a previous existence before the Matrix. In the West Papers, I discuss the details at great length, but I will recap some of it in this book for those who want to refresh their memory and for those who have yet to read the papers. I thought about reading the papers, but it's 2,000 pages. What's up, Doc? The doctor from Pennsylvania. I used to drive through there, man, when I lived in upstate New York not too long ago. I tried to talk to some, uh, what is it, Mennonites? They wouldn't talk to me. I was going to do a little documentary, but they wouldn't even talk to me. It was beautiful up there. The only thing I'll say about Pennsylvania that, that I thought was funny is like, it's in one of those states where it's like, you see the billboard was like church. And then porn shop, church, 
porn shop. You're all going to hell, billboard, porn shop. And then lots of beautiful hills and mountains. So Orion versus the Orion Group. A few decades ago, I started doing serious research on different topics. UFOs and aliens, as with everything. Opinions widely differ on what UFOs and aliens are. And where they come from. By the way, the Reverend Dan Lopez is up there in Pennsylvania, too. All the cool people come from Pennsylvania. When trying to sort things out, I noticed a theme that stuck out from the ocean of opinions, data, and information. There are evil reptilians, Dracos and Greys, interfering with our third dimension. That's what they all say. 3D reality, operating in other densities or dimensions. Those who have invested time on these topics tend to agree that most malignant reptilians come from Orion. Now, you remember in the other book that, that the whole reptilian, what book that was that we were reading? I already forgot. The other day where they said the reptilian thing was made up. Which book was that? Therefore, many people consider Orion bad and not even a place we would like to visit, even less dwell in. Therefore, when I discuss Orion in these papers as a mostly benevolent place, there are readers who, after having connected the dots, contradictorily deemed the Queen of Orion a reptilian queen, likely in control of the evil Dracos and reptilians. Following that logic, she is therefore our enemy. But what if the reptilian agenda, in quotes, the way it's commonly portrayed, is flawed or misunderstood? Could it be it is in someone's interest to smear Orion? And if Orion indeed is based on feminine principles, to whom would that be a threat? I will provide my own answers to these questions. What I want to know is how in the hell do you actually know this based on experience? Maybe this dude had some out-of-body experiences or something. The question remains, why does Orion have such an evil reputation despite many ancient texts showing that <clears throat> humankind originates in Orion? The answer, as far as I can tell, goes back to the beginning of the patriarchy when the god Enki in the Gnostic text uh, named Samael and his team of cosmic invaders hijacked the human experiment and created their own experiment, which was just a bad copy of the original and which we humans operated. So as explained in the papers, Earth and the entire matrix exist within Orion, not outside or separate from it. The matrix is only a tiny containment in the Orion universe. And before we continue, I need to explain what I mean by the Orion universe. When we mention Orion, we usually think of the star constellation we can see in the night sky and in telescopes. However, this is not the Orion I'm referring to in the papers, except on rare occasions when the star constellation is being specifically discussed. When I refer to Orion, I'm referring to the entire greater universe, not the star constellation. Now, I understand this may confuse some readers, but there is a reason for using the term Orion when pertaining to the entire universe. As discussed in the papers, humankind was born in Orion. Our original language was the Aryan language or the Orion language. A-R-Y-A-N, Aryan, is the ancient name for Orion. And the term Aryan derives from two words, Ari or Mary, which is a title for mother goddess, meaning mother of Orion. And in which means heaven. Thus we have something like mother goddess in the Orion heaven or 
heaven the mother goddess wouldn't that be crazy if all the catholics god bless the catholics right we're like holy mary you know doing all their prayers and they were actually praying to orion that's where heaven is this is also where human names such as Mary, Marianne, Marianne, or Mary Ann derive. In the Bible, Jesus' mother was the Virgin Mary, which signifies the mother goddess. Therefore, the being we call Jesus, or Yeshua, was born from a virgin. Hopefully you guys all know that Jesus is the Greek translation of the word, right? Which means he was of the mother goddess. Thus, we have the concept of virgin birth in the Bible. Mother Mary and Jesus, or Yeshua, are both connected to Orion with the soul of Jesus descending to earth to educate humankind so we can gain knowledge or gnosis to leave the matrix and go back home to Orion, and then he puts in parentheses, heaven, where we were born. Unfortunately, Jesus' teachings have been heavenly distorted both in the New Testament of the Bible and in the Gnostic Hamadi text more about this later i can't wait to figure like when he tells us how he knows all this stuff right so when inky and the patriarchal gods mainly from sirius invaded and took over the original human experiment they wanted humankind to forget all association with the divine feminine and when we originate somewhere from outside earth inky became the self-proclaimed god of this matrix and he portrayed himself as a masculine god with us being his children and also, he wanted us to see him as our father and the only God and creator of the universe. In fact, he is the creator of the matrix, not the universe. He is an imposter and he is the God in the Bible. Ooh, okay. Theocrats, this is a new one. This is a new one, right? This is good. Theocrats, the empire, uh, alien empires, archons. Now, this guy's saying that the God of the Old Testament, the God that most of Western religion calls Father, is really only the God of our system that he calls Orion and is really the imposter. Man, man. So we're up to what, six different names for this? I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. However, it's not until in the last few decades Orion got the poor reputation it has today. Much because of the internet and certain authors and researchers in the alternative field who have emphasized Orion as being the place from where most hostile aliens come from. This is further highlighted by misinformative TV documentaries such as Ancient Aliens, and still, they are all partly correct, although they build the slandering of Orion on deliberate mis- and disinformation. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So obviously, this guy believes he's given us the real info. None of this is misinfo. And in many cases, a huge misunderstanding deriving from different channeled material also being misunderstood. A good example is the so-called raw material, the law of one. I just talked about that earlier. It's based on Carl Rueckert's channeled sessions in early 1980s and the raw collective spoke of the Orion group being negative interdimensional extraterrestrial ETs existing in different forms and in different densities of reality. I suspect that much of this disinformation came out of that material and from similar sources, although to the raw collective's defense, they probably did not intend to confuse the matter. We humans did that. The Orion group, the raw collective discussed in these channeled sessions were clearly Inky and the Syrian Alliance, whom I discussed in the papers. They are the same beings and Ra was correct in that Inky and the Syrians or the Orion group originate in Orion. However, they are a group from Orion. They are not representatives of Orion, the greater universe. The Orion group is a rebel group connected with Lucifer's rebellion, described in the papers and elsewhere. I'm just making sure I get, I'm getting all this right. You guys with me so far? <clears throat> What's up, Joseph? Thanks for your support. What's up, Dale? Bloodlines do matter. That's right. The Orion Group is a rebel group connected with Lucifer's rebellion described in the papers and elsewhere. Lucifer, or Inky, and his rebels were the cast down from heaven. The upper sanctuaries of Orion by Archangel Michael, also known as Prince Enlil, Ninurta, and other titles and names. Therefore, the negative being spoken about in the raw material, the so-called Orion Group, is the group of Aryans, or Orions, who descended to the lower dimensions and densities from where they have manipulated humankind ever since. They are what the Bible calls the fallen angels. So, on one hand we have Orion, the greater Aryan universe, and on the other hand we have the matrix that we live in. But where does the star constellation, also called Orion, come into the picture? In later years, some researchers have claimed that reptilian beings and some greys originate in the Orion constellation, and this again based largely on channeled material. Remember that. From there, people have created ideas about a correlation between antagonistic reptilians, gray aliens, and Orion. I like the word Orion. Word salad said his youngest son is named Orion. I love that. That's cool. As mentioned previously, a problem some readers have had with parts of the papers is based on the simple misunderstanding between Orion the Greater Universe and Orion the Star Constellation. I suspect, because channel material rightfully has pointed negative ETs towards Orion. So later researchers have then associated this with the Orion constellation. They were and are likely not aware of the phrase, Orion the Greater Universe. Which has not been commonly discussed in context, at least not in modern times, until after the publication of the West Penrith Papers. In Old Egyptian text, another title for the 
for Inki is Osiris, and the old Egyptians clearly stated that Osiris comes from Orion, that from Sirius and Orion came beings in the form of humans, Osiris and Isis, and instigated the human race. Now that was uh, Robert Buval that said that. Yeah, he's got his name. He's like, and so the ancient Egyptians believed that from Sirius, Orion, Sirius and Orion came as being in the form of humans, Osiris and Isis, and instigated the human race. I personally think that could be true, but it also could just be another, you know, mythology of stories, too, like we have so many. Could be real, though. Michael Barra says, So to the ancient Egyptians, Osiris was Orion. That constellation actually was a literal living embodiment of the great god Osiris, who was always over our heads, always looking down upon us and always judging us. Because in the end, he would be the guy that would decide whether we got eternal life or whether we were recycled back through the spiritual mulch and have to start all over again. That was quoted by Michael Barra. Coppins said, The ancient Egyptians were very clear that Orion was linked with creation, specifically magic creation. And so if we accept what our ancestors were saying, mythology all of a sudden becomes more interesting because all of a sudden we see the truth as to what Orion really stands for. And it has to do with creation, magical creation and creation in those days was linked with the gods. End quote. So Penry goes on and says, so if we don't like the old Sumerian and Babylonian gods, it's understandable that people might think Orion is a bad place. Still, we can't judge an entire universe based on a few renegade criminals playing gods with ignorant humans who they have made amnesiac and unaware of their origins. It would be the same as judging an entire country on Earth because of some ruffians who come from there. Orion, the greater universe, is not evil or anti-human. We're talking about a small team of renegades by some called the Orion Group, a group that will be thoroughly discussed in this book. I hope this clears the confusion. I don't think it clears it. I think it makes it more confusing because now you're coming out saying that all these dudes are wrong. Uh, I, I, You know what? I hope that I really do. I hope that he. I mean, at least he's not saying it's channeled. Not yet. All right, so this is called, we've got time. This is called The First Construct. This is a necessary chapter in order to brief the reader on the background of this book. I don't have space to recap extensively from the papers, or this book would be too long. However, I will do my best to be consistent and to the point. So the reader can better understand cosmos, our origins, our history, and our relation in this matrix and the rest of the Orion universe from here on referred to as Orion. So remember that anytime he says Orion, he's talking about the Orion universe. If I refer to the Orion constellation, I will point that out. I suggest that even if you have read the papers, also read these recap chapters, because besides uh, summarizing the papers, I'll also add new insights I've had since I wrote the material and it will blend in with the rest of the information. I will include sources when appropriate, but otherwise source materials listed extensively in the papers. This is titled The Spirit Universe. There wouldn't be any true creation without spirit. In the, in the West Penry papers, I discussed that 96% versus the 4% universe. I use the terms light and dark matter and energy based on how science has coined it, making it easier to grasp. 
From the cosmology that emerged from my research, insights, and correspondences with my sources, I came to the following conclusion, which I still subscribe to. Spirit is everything and nothing, and in its everythingness, it encompasses all that exists. There are many, many universes, and Orion is just one of them. Figuratively speaking, it exists without, or within, sorry, source, the monad, all that is, first source, or whatever we want to call the unfathomable everythingness and nothingness. Religions name God or the goddess. The universe is electric. It comprises energy, and it is vast. When we look at NASA's pictures of the universe, we think it looks infinite or that the vastness is beyond our comprehension. But what if I told you that what we see, even in the largest telescope, we can ever create in our third-dimensional 3D reality is just 4% of the entire universe? Ooh. The cosmic microwave background, that whole picture is only 4%. <clears throat> That'd be crazy. Well, that's not really a telescope, but that's what I was thinking of. When we look out into space, we see stars and galaxies, but most of our outer space appears empty. But it is not. Much of what we consider dark space exists just outside the spectrum of visible light, so we can't see it. Visible light is only about 4% of the entire electromagnetic spectrum. And the reason we can only perceive of 4% of the universe is because our physical bodies can only experience five senses. Unless we expand our consciousness outside of body limits and activate dormant DNA, which can take us further into the metaphysical realms. In round figures, and if we want to divide things further, the universe we live in involves about 4% visible matter, 21% dark matter, and 75% dark energy, the latter being either or i.e. spirit. So what we perceive as being dark space is far from dark. Once we can perceive it outside our five senses, the book of Ahay, check this out, the book of Isaiah, and I will give you hidden treasures and dark places. Isn't that how it goes in Isaiah? I will give you hidden treasures and dark places so that you'll know that I'm God. Hmm, something like that. So what we perceive as being dark space is far from dark. And once we can perceive it outside our five senses, the spirit universe is everywhere around us because our physical universe exists. Within or inside the spirit universe, metaphorically speaking, it exists. So to expand our minds a little more, the 75% spirit universe is the measure of spirit encompassing and interacting with our particular universe. And like I mentioned, there are uncountable universes and spirit encompasses them all. It's mind-blowing and can't be comprehended to the fullest. All we can do is look at it from an expanded human perspective, which is very limited. Yeah, the void, right? Word salad, so what the hell is water? <laughs> yeah, right. The spirit universe is also discussed in depth in the Nag Hammadi Gnostic texts. We have Orion, which is a spirit universe. But from an even larger perspective, there's pleroma, which is an ancient Greek and means the state of total fullness or abundance, relating particularly to the nature of God. So the pleroma, according to some Gnostics, is both spirit God itself and the first emanation of God. And once upon a time, God, called the monad in the Gnostic text, expanded by creating individual emanations of herself, or the Elohim which is a plural 
could be plural feminine. I don't know. You'll have to check that out. I don't know. If, I know it's Elohim means gods, like plural, but I don't know if it's feminine. I think it might be. Twelve in numbers, according to the most texts, they are called the aeons, also a Greek word. An aeon means one of the orders of spirits or spheres of being that emanated from the Godhead and were attributes of the nature of the absolute. These emanations, being purely spiritual, were then free to create based on the traits or traits the monad assigned to them. And thus they created and still create universes, multiverses, or whatever falls into the categories of their properties and abilities. The last of these aeons emanating from the monad, the Godhead was wisdom, also called a Sophia. In the Gnostic text, she is the oversoul, or rather the overspirit of the Orion Queen in the papers. Orion Queen being a lower emanation of Sophia, as she manifested a part of herself into her own conception, Orion. So, so this is the creation of Orion. It's a little confusing because I know he says every time I say Orion, think of Orion the universe. So I'm, I'm assuming that's what we're supposed to be thinking now, right? Yeah, I think it's plural feminine, Elohim, right? Yeah. So Sophia, the Aeon, who had already created a multitude of universes, decided to create an electric universe based on free will. The idea was to generate almost infinite experiments within this universe, so she, and ultimately the monad, her highest self, and reality, also feminine, could experience and learn about themselves more rapidly, having almost endless choices. She first made a blueprint in which further creation could take place. This blueprint included, but was not limited to, galaxies, nebula, or galaxies, hold on. Galaxies and nebula, that don't even make sense what I just said. Gal okay, to galaxies, nebula, stars, and planets. So everything she designed was and is alive in its own right because it emanates from her. Reg regardless of how it was created back then, it always had her spirit in it and enveloping it all was the highest form of spirit, the monad. The entire universe was first imagined and created with her divine mind before she manifested it, thus being feminine in its origin. Next is the creation of souls and soul groups. Next, she created souls as individuated units of consciousness, her consciousness. She had also inserted herself into her own creation, attaching her spirit to an individual soul and thus... Sophia extended herself and became the Orion Queen or the Queen of the Stars. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One soul compromises trillions of bioelectrical nano-sized fires merged into one unit of consciousness, i.e. in an individual soul. The soul is, as we can see, not the highest aspect of ourselves, but is merely a vehicle for the mind and for spirit to move around in space and time. So, within each soul is a mind which is the unit that truly thinks and ignites the trillions of soul fires. 
In this book, I will use concepts like soul or soul mind and soul mind spirit, all referring to these particular combinations. If nothing else is indicated, not all souls are spirited, as we shall see, but all souls have a mind. I may also use the term soul alone, leaving it unsaid that the soul also comprises at least a mind, if not spirit. All this will be clear as we progress. The queen then assembled individual souls into soul groups, of which the human soul group much later become one of them. All right. I have this voice in the back of my head right now that I got to get out. It's bothering me. We have to look at this because we're truth seekers, right? So we have to look at this. This book sounds amazing. Could be true. But we have to vet all this stuff, right? I don't know why there's just a voice that's like worried about all that. Probably my stuff, my hangups. So the queen then assembled individual souls into soul groups, of which the human soul group much later became one of them. More often than not, she inserted these soul groups into stars rather than planets, thus the term star races. And within these stars, Sophia and some helper souls, also often of spirit, created physical worlds. We humans evolved on planets, but that is a rarity. Yeah, how do we vet the information? Yeah, exactly. We got like these. All these books are amazing, right? But it's either channeled material or we got to take someone's word for it most of the time. But maybe we don't know yet. Maybe this guy had some kind of experience. So this is how it's still being done. As the reader now might realize, stars are not flaming, super hot balls of fire in which no life can develop. Stars are electric and their inside is quite inhabitable. Although one needs to possess the correct body type that goes along with a particular star environment and which one evolves. It is fun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The evolution of souls moving into present tense, because this entire process is still continuing soul groups then evolve in their own specific environment, which is unique for each star. And as the environments differ, so does the evolution, making cosmic expansion infinitely exciting and diverse. As we can imagine, it is creation without end. In their evolution, most soul groups realize that there is a universe outside their home world star. And because souls are innately curious, they usually want to know what's out there. However, physical bodies are normally not made for space travel. There are a few exceptions. They are innate to the world in which they evolve, so the soul group has a choice. They can either stay in their home world and in their unique physical bodies, or they can leave their bodies behind and travel the entire universe as soul minds without physical bodies. Space, spaceships are rarely needed. If a soul group chooses to leave, they become part of the universal community and can begin interacting with other star races. Well, this is totally different from the so far from the other space reality we read the other night, isn't it? everything yeah and in the universe without their physical bodies souls can travel instantly from one corner of the universe to another by just using their mind in the greater universe we travel by thought and with intention the universe is thought responsive something known to each person who has had an out-of-body experience all right here we go now we're getting into it
We can think yourself anywhere and we'll be there in a nanosecond. And then he shows the, in the book, the picture of the universe and how it looks like the mind and all that stuff, you know, the neural networks in Orion, everything connects with plasma filaments and it looks like a giant spider web. All galaxy stars, planets, and everything else connect via these cosmic highways. And it's on these highways souls travel from one location to another. I discussed this extensively in the West Penry papers, The Second Level of Learning, which was written in 2011, published in 2012. At that point, science knew nothing about these filaments or highways or had at least not published their findings yet. However, in 2014, two years after I released my paper on the subject, scientists claimed to have found these same filaments. In 2014, and here's a quote, a vast network of plasma filaments, the intergalactic web, was discovered that connects many, if not all, the galaxies in the universe. Evidence shows stars are connected to their planets and to other stars, and all galaxies are connected. The more we carefully examine, we find the cosmos interconnected with plasma filaments, also known as Birkeland currents. Hmm. That is pretty interesting. Don't souls who leave their home world miss their physical bodies well usually not the reason for this is that in the multiverse the multidimensional universe souls can organize their trillions of tiny fires into any shape or form they wish creating soul avatars and thus present themselves in their own liking as to fit certain environments this is exactly what shape-shifting is about we humans can do the same thing each of the trillion cells in our human body contains a bioelectrical soul fire, and that's how the soul connects to the body, via the cells. Then the energy expands outward around the body, creating a toroidal field. That's pretty interesting, too. I remember, I think we had Claude Swanson that talks, he wrote a whole book about toroidal fields. Interesting guy. The same kind of field is also surrounding our planet. And when we read about near-death experiences or NDEs or when people have regression therapy and go between lives, we often hear they can shape-shift into any form the souls like. So the universe was created from the void. <laughs> Spirit and life was created in the void. And the void being the Orion universe in its entirety. Spirit and matter combined. Therefore... Spirit is everywhere. It's the 100% universe in which the physical universe dwells. The goddess seeded her creation with life, and she had help from magnificent creator gods and goddesses whom she had given life for that purpose as extensions of her own divine spirit. If all intelligent beings in the cosmos had free will to create whatever they wanted, would they still be able to become compassionate towards each other? Would they show each other respect? And would they be willing to learn and evolve, to love and to share with other conscious beings what they knew and had learned? This is the big universal experiment, and it is quite an interesting one. All species, whether they evolve on a planet or elsewhere, has a species or as an individual the right to develop free from interference, if they so wish. Help is allowed, but only if a star race or an individual specifically asks for it. It wasn't until they had matured to a certain point that they realized that any harm they were doing to others, they were also ultimately doing to themselves. Kind of what Jesus taught, right? Well, they all taught that. But At that point, they usually slowed down and stopped creating wars and conflicts. Instead, 
They became peaceful star races living by universal ethic codes. One being live and let live, one could say. However, until they had reached that point, some races could be ferocious and merciless due to their own fear of being hurt and defeated. They could be competitive. For their own safety and security, they created fear in others so they could increase their own power of control. And today, we have a universe in which beings in all different stages of maturation exist for some. It takes longer to learn than it does for others. But all beings contribute to the greater understanding of all. All right. So it's supposed to get more detailed and deeper and deeper, right? This, these texts. And I mean, this is, we got to think about the the same patterns and all these different things that we're reading, what people are trying to tell us. We got to take into account people's experiences. Like what is it channeled? Did you actually experience something? Did you see something? Do you have physical proof? Do you have any kind of proof? And what do we feel intuitively about all this, too? All of this stuff has to be considered if we're going to balance everything out on this, like, void walking journey. So we're in this new book. I've never even heard of this book. It's called The Orion Book by Wes Penry. Gareth, our brother, void walker, sent this to me. It was one of the, I think it was the book after he read War in Heaven. So there's, gonna, there's supposed to be some, like, fear stuff in here for sure. But, you know, who knows? We're going to take a short network break here for the Fringe FM. And, yeah, we'll be right back. I'll probably open up the phone lines, too, maybe, depending on how the book's going. I got the door cracked so I can see the moonlight now. Happy birthdays. Happy birthdays, man. I don't know why. It's a big birthday energy, like I said earlier. Anthony Tyler, Clyde Lewis. Barbara Green, whose birthday am I missing? My dad's birthday is coming up in just a couple hours. Okay. Some interesting interesting, uh, text, though, regardless if it's fake or real or not or whatever. So I've got the phones open, too, if you want to call in, chime in. It's 501-777-5631. And we're going to get back into it. You can grab this book, too. A physical, this is just book one. Uh, the West Penry Papers, I think, he's got more and more details about this stuff online at his website, too. I'll leave links in this video description for it. We're taking a, we don't have a, uh, uh, I guess you could say, a, a bias. We're not pushing anything here. This is all for journalistic purposes and discussion. So, this next section is called Spirited versus Non-Spirited Souls. Pepe says, you know I'm calling. As discussed earlier, the spirit universe is all around us, and it's going through your body right now as you read this. It's part of the universe you cannot see. And as mentioned, not all souls are equipped with spirit or the feminine divine energy. I bet some ladies would agree with that, wouldn't you? Souls, while evolving in their star environments, are usually made up of four elements. Dude, don't start. Like, I hate this. When I start reading these books, these people are validating my beliefs. And then I'm like, yeah, it's all real. Maybe I just like the movie The Fifth Element and I am not. don't care at all about magic. Nah. 
earth, wa- earth, water, fire, and air. But as composite beings, they lack ether, which is spirit. It doesn't mean they can't create, but when spirit attaches to the soul in a latter stage of development, that soul can create something out of nothing with thought and intention only. Yep. They can imagine something inside their mind using feminine energy, just like Sophia did when she created the universe and then manifested instantly in the spirit universe outside their minds. They become creator gods or rather creator goddesses. If we want to be more technically accurate. But I thought that we were cast down because the Elohim said we need to cast them down or they're going to be like us. We need to. I don't know. It's all confusing, isn't it? If we want to be more technically accurate, crater goddesses. So souls who lack spirit either use tools in the physical world or expand on something that is already created in the physical and multidimensional worlds. But they can't create directly inside their minds and then manifest it out of thin air. Super Green. I thought you were at the concert, Marla. However, when a soul or a soul group have left their home world and become part of the universal community, they can prove themselves, which means they have a record of ethical behavior necessary to gain spirit. And at the same time, they ascend through the spirit dimensions. By the way, there are 144 of them. And they become creator gods when their souls vibrate accordingly. And once they have left their world, they can also travel with their minds by thinking themselves somewhere. And they will be there in a second, traveling along the cosmic highway with the speed of thought. In the papers, I call this nano travel. That's funny, too, because last night I was listening to uh, Thomas Campbell talk about how he can have out-of-body experiences like crazy and other people's just can't. And he's like, it's all a data system. I'm just leaving this identity and moving my data system somewhere else. I like listening to him because he, he sounds kind of like the way Spock would explain it, you know. What's up, Dave? I didn't see you there, brother. Dave Cruz. All right. So sooner or later, most souls get to the point where they will become creator gods, but it's up to each individual soul how long that will take. With being a true creator God comes a lot of responsibility for what we are truly creating. And not all souls are initially interested in that. But over time, they will, they will reach the vibration of responsibility necessary to be able to use spirit around them in their creations. That is when they begin or that is when they can begin to create instantly with their minds. This is how things have been set up in Orion for many eons. When souls become creator gods, they do so incriminately incrementally incrementally sorry as their understanding and vibrations increase so others who are slower at reaching creator god status can still enjoy and create on a more hands-on level using what has uh, already been created by others who possess or have connected to spirit around them you guys remember william Billman saying that what better place to remember who we are or uh learn how to create in a lower density realm where cause and effect take a slower time to happen so that we can learn from our experiences because in the astral world or in that realm things happen fast right at one point sophia as the orion queen the soul part of sophia had an idea 
Although creation in Orion was continuous, she wanted more compassionate and empathetic creators who could express more passion and emotions in their creations. Of course, star races develop differently and some become warrior-like while still evolving, whereas others might develop into peaceful civilizations. However, it was and is still very important to leave each star race alone during their evolution on their planet or star. And visits from other, more developed star races is usually not allowed, although there are exceptions, and permission is then being given. The reason for this restriction is because of the law of free will. The essential and most important law of this universe, everything revolves around it. Without it, the entire universe would collapse because the purpose of the universal Orion experiment would be void. The idea was put uh, was to put a soul group on a planet somewhere in a solar system and in a relatively harsh environment study how they developed. Of course, it had been done before, but only with non-spirited souls who had yet to gain spirit through evolution. What would happen if a new soul group was born inhabiting spirit creative energy already from birth? They didn't need to earn spirit, and they would have free will with no strings attached and a wide range of emotions to enhance their creative abilities. Would these traits benefit the overall universe? And if so, the queen considered using the, this template on other worlds, taking into consideration that this unique experiment became a success. And I'm guessing that's what we are. Is that what he's going to say? So, and what if beings who evolve on planets would be able to both be planetary bound and to nano travel at the same time and take a copy of their body with them while <clears throat> the original body stayed planet bound interesting robert monroe said he when he was astral traveling and he wrote this in the 60s and 70s that advanced beings could leave their bodies under trees and they would go fly around and come back to their bodies maybe maybe that's where he got it from i don't know such beings would have everything they needed and wanted it would also be able to evolve many times faster than any star being in the universe Thus, the human soul group was born. And since we were born with spirit, our star race is also called royal because we have Sophia's spirit attached already from the beginning. The queen picked a solar system on the outskirt of the Milky Way galaxy. And with assistance from a team of creator gods par excellence, she had created a planet she thought would fit her new experiment and then terraformed it. And when all was prepared, she put the human soul group on this planet to evolve. The solar system became a non-interference zone of the highest order and importance. The goddess placed the planet between today's Mars and Jupiter, and she literally steered the planet in place with her mind, and therefore, it also became known as the Queen's Mothership. And another name for it was Nibiru, or Nibiru, thus the Nibiru everybody is waiting for has already passed and gone. It was Tiamat, our first home planet, which no longer exists. Chris Miner says, Steiner had said there would be 80% egoless beings by the 21st century, which he and other members of various occult organizations had discussed and agreed upon. That was an NPC to them. I like Steiner stuff, man. We got to get into that, too. I don't know. I don't really turn this radio show into a book channel, but this is kind of fun, right? 
The first physical human race was black-skinned, thin, and very tall. In fact, everything on Tiamat was much larger than on today's Earth, relatively speaking. Most of them had red hair, but I've also heard that some had no hair at all. There were no separate genders among them. They were all androgynous. There were no separate genders. He said that twice. That's weird. Within the human soul group, there was no death. The bodies did not die of age. As a matter of fact, they could not die. At that point, we and our home planet existed in the void, i.e. the Ka, which is the spirit universe. Tiamat was not a 3D world. Therefore, our bodies did not decay or die because spirit doesn't die. The soul group was destined to accomplish the purpose of the experiment in one go, without death. In a later chapter, I'll explain in detail how this works, but for now, just realize that a spirit body was attached to our soul mind by default. And each one of us, and is a unit of body, soul, mind, which is human spirit. And it was and is immortal because our real human body is of spirit. We are still these humans, and we will once, and we will once again, by leaving the matrix, be able to regain our missing part, spirit, which, by trickery, was separated from us by an outside invader force that overtook the human experiment, which will be evident later. In the Nag Hammadi Gnostic texts, these first humans emanating from Sophia's aeonic spirit mind were called the first Adam. That's us in our original form, originating from the ultimate spirit realm and the Gnostic text called the Pleroma. We, when we were operating as these superior humans, had uh, open communication with the queen and with the higher spirit dimensions. Contrary to other star races, we could live on the planet Tiamat as a body-soul-mind complex. And at the, t- at the same time, travel the universe in spirit, taking our spirit bodies with us wherever we went. We just made a copy. I don't like how he puts copy. In. We just made a copy of ourselves, and this could be in two places at the same time. And the queen, who in spirit was partly embodied in the planet, was always present. You know, you know what I was thinking of when he just said that? I was thinking about, have you guys ever read uh, Journey of Souls or listened to the audiobook Journey of Souls? It's an amazing text, I think. It's interesting. So the guy hypnotizes all kinds of people, and he takes them in life between life, right? And he had this one person that he usually wouldn't try to push, but this person was about to be born again, but he, then he died, and then he was in between lives. And the hypnotist, uh, Newton, said he wanted to push him all the way to the edge of reality. You got to listen. Listen to the audio version of the book. It's cool. And he's like, I can't hold it. I can't hold it. Like, it's, it was hard for his consciousness to stay there. And uh, he said, what do you see? He said, I don't see anything, but I hear, like, music or something. And he kept on going and kept on going. And finally, when he goes when he got to the edge of reality as, as far as he could hold it in this hypnotic state, of course. But he said that the, I think that the, uh, the patient started crying, right? And he said, what is it, man? What, what do you, what is it? And he started crying and he said, it's a mother and she's singing to me. He couldn't see her, but at the very edges of reality and life between life was a mother. Trippy. I don't know why I was thinking about that when he said that. It's been a long time since I read that book. 
If we, as these early humans, needed to communicate with her, she was never far away. In fact, we walked on her because she inserted herself at the core of the planet. This entire world was created from and with her spirit, and so are we. The queen invested a lot of herself in the human experiment, and we were happy to go along with it. Indeed, we were privileged, having spirit attached from the beginning, but we were like, we were very like newborn. We were a very young soul group and quite naive, which we still are. And eventually, when the human soul group had evolved enough to graduate, we were all supposed to leave the planet together and the experiment would be considered over. In the papers, I called the these first humans the Namlu, a term I borrowed from the French researcher Anton Parks, who described the same human species in his books. However, from now on, I will mostly call them the Aryans, or the human soul group, which is more accurate. I've learned that this planet was a water planet, but it doesn't mean the planet was just one big ocean, after all. The Aryans were not amphibious. It only means it was located in the Ka, or the cosmic waters, or spirit. The planet was many times larger than our current Earth, and although it might have been a planet with great oceans, there were also land masses with rich fauna and flora, albeit much taller and larger than in today's world. The experiment was very sacred. There were still overseers watching how things progressed, very curious to see the result, and they stayed as watchers within the solar system. They were called the Igigi by some. Many of them came from the Vega star system and the Lyra constellation. And they were the queen's appointed helpers, creator gods, and overseers. Another name for these helpers was the Vulcans. The planet's name in our annals and ancient records was Maldek or Tiamat. And as I mentioned, it existed between what we now today or what we know today as Mars and Jupiter or our current 3D asteroid belt. The part of it that is vibrating within the spectrum of visible light is located. It was a big planet. The human experiment went well and was very promising. And the queen and everybody else involved were content with how things developed on Tiamat until one day the solar system was invaded. Oh, man, just when this, like, this stuff's so hard for me to believe. It's so freaking cool, but it's just hard for me to believe. Let us get a little philosophical for a while and have an interesting discussion so we can all ponder. The following information is something that has been hidden and sometimes not so hidden from humankind and parts of it coming from the mystery schools and secret societies. I'm talking about the forces of nature and their connection to spirit. <clears throat> no doubt this information originates with the secret societies of old, but much of it was also known by pagans in the Middle Ages and earlier. There are five elements and spirited souls, such as ourselves, have access to all... Wait, I don't think I read that wrong. Reverse. Rewind. There are five elements and spirited souls, such as ourselves, have access to them all to a greater or lesser degree, depending on the environment and whether they live in the Matrix or in Orion. These elements are fire, water, earth, air, and ether, the latter being spirit. And some mystery schools also mention that archangels do not have spirit ether like we do or like regular souls after they have evolved, and they can never receive it because that's just how they were created. There are they are therefore not immortal and have other purposes than regular souls. This also corresponds with what I have learned from my personal sources and from my research. I hate when people say that. Tell me, like, 
does, I think he actually cites that stuff, but I don't want to click away because I'll lose my spot. For example, both Enki and Enlil, who I'm going to discuss in this book, are archangels, and they both, li- they both lack ether or spirit, but they possess other elements. Mystery schools tell us archangels may possess everything from one element up to four elements, but never the fifth. The four elements are sometimes portrayed as the four cardinal directions. This piece, I won't go into more detail about the meaning of the cardinal directions and winds or their origins, but it's interesting to note how the archangels are associated with cardinal directions, which gives a further direction of inquiry on different associations. Same with the order of the four elements with which the archangels are often linked and discussed. That often changes depending on the sources used or intended purposes for ceremonial workings. Yeah, for sure. I could go into that. But it'll take the rest of the show. Just reading the Golden Dawn material. We know that Enlil is the prince of air, but also possessing fire, earth, and water. And we know Enki is or was the prince of earth and the prince of water. And Enki means lord of earth. And Ea, which is another title for him, means lord of water. He also has fire because we know he possesses a soul. And a soul can be creative within all elements it might possess, but not in the ones inside it doesn't. What spirit really is might not be fully understood, so we must use imagination, intuition, and have philosophical discussions to come closer to knowing spirit. It is complicated, also because people define it differently and look at it differently. The term spirit can mean different things, and many schools of thought suggest that spirit lacks energy because it exists outside matter, space, and time and energy, but simultaneously also exists within the universe because spirits exist in everything. If this is true, it means that spirit itself doesn't comprise energy, but it can produce what we might call divine energy, which creates the universe. Another school of learning teaches us that 75% of the Orion universe compromises dark energy, which is spirit. This implies that spirit possesses energy, and dark energy is a term interchangeable with the void, or the ka, or the ether. One thing that seems certain is that spirit is needed for souls to become true creator gods, or capable of divine creation, which entails creating instantly from mind to manifestation. We all create with our minds, spirited or not. So to expand on this, let's explore the difference between spirited creation and non-spirited creation. It appears spirit connects to a divine mind that works senior to the soul's mind. The latter may only function in the particular universe in which it operates, Orion in our case, creating from what is already there, i.e., what has already been created from the four elements. This also suggests that the aeons in the spirit universe, although spirit in nature, inhabit a divine mind with which they create universes and other things. It is therefore conceivable that the queen might not need to do anything or add something to souls who have earned spirit and it seems logical in context that it is an uh, uh, automatic evolutionary process and is a a stage a soul reaches in their evolution so just like souls first evolve in a physical environment so from their physical world when evolved enough they enter the greater universe in extension if they continue evolving in a certain direction through the ka dimensions their soul 
where their soul's mind expands and gets in touch with spirit enough to achieve true creative abilities, which is also called the divine mind of Sophia. They have become creator gods. Archangels, however, are not made to be creator gods. They lack the possibility and are therefore not immortal. Some go as far as to say the archangels are jealous of spirited souls, perhaps because of their immortality. I think there may be truth in that. Here is something else to consider, although the human soul group, which most of us humans who are interested in this kind of information belong to, were born with spirit attached. We can also lose it temporarily by disconnecting from it. Something most humans have done, as we will discover in this book. Our true oversoul is not an oversoul at all, but spirit. Because humankind has decreased in density, or become denser, and lowered our vibration, we have also lost connection with divine spirit. And in our current state, we are no longer creator gods until we once again reconnect with spirit. Many of us are now doing just that by educating ourselves and by healing from emotional, psychological, and physical trauma. We need a certain level of knowledge, or gnosis, and soul vibration to connect to the spirit of us. Because of trauma, some humans can't comprehend any of this information, and due to trauma, leading to amnesia, leading to ignorance, many cannot reconnect with spirit. It is hard and often solitary work. Oh, shit. This world needs a lot of emotionally healing. This world needs a lot of emotionally healing. You should have just put emotional healing there. But it must start on an individual basis, something we will go into a later chapter. And does the reader understand why it's so important for us as Aryans to heal while we are still in this incarnation? If we don't bother to heal to the best of our ability and then return to Orion by exiting the Matrix, our overall vibration may be too low to become the excellent creator gods we're supposed to be. And we indeed need to earn it again. Also, we will vibrate higher just by leaving this dense matrix. Still, we must think about these things. We don't want to enter the Ka with a reactive mindset and with attachments to the matrix in which we're currently contained. It would be like going from an old, very abusive, romantic relationship directly into a new relationship. Yeah, that causes trauma, too, for everybody involved. We do that all the time here still. We're all stupid. I love how, you know, he's talking about trauma and stuff, but he's, he's projecting some of the stuff that he's going through in his life into his book, right? That's, that's cool. I mean, that's what writing books is for, right? So if we don't heal and reflect in in-between relationships, abusive or not, we bring the old relationship with us into the new, which is usually detrimental to the new relationship. And this is something I've experienced myself and I'm now successfully healing from. You know, the one thing I like about this guy is he's pretty genuine and authentic. In the alternative community, we often speak of spiritless souls. But if we really boil it down, the only spiritless souls are the archangels and the potential souls Inky have created within this construct we call the Matrix, where Inky is God. All other souls, being Aryans or trapped here from other parts of Orion, are all spirited. In the sense, they can gain access to spirit if they choose that route in their evolution. However, no one is forced to do so. It's a choice. So as we've seen so far, spirit is above everything and in everything. It is also the source of creation and thus feminine. And hence the soul is not the highest there is. 
Souls are made from the physical four elements, and they are created upon or within the world which they are supposed to evolve. See, I think I believe that too. That the souls, like the alchemical process of growing the, I guess would be the spirit here through the soil of your body. Like that, cause there's too many references in all the text and Bible and stuff. So there's either the alchemical fire where things are tried in the fire and become gold, led into gold or, or there's lots of like texts that go back to, uh, uh, you know, um, agriculture where it's plants and, you know, you're trying to grow all this stuff. So, I mean, even Jesus did what the sower and the seed thing. That's a very basic one. But there's a ton of like hints about the soul being grown through our bodies or spirit. We get them confused. I get them confused because everybody calls stuff different. So to create a soul, we need all four elements, fire, air, water and earth. This creates life, i.e. a bioelectrical plasma being made up of trillions of small fires. Souls are created by creator gods who, with the correct knowledge, can literally create intelligent life from the elements. Before a soul or a soul group are made, the world at which they are destined to evolve is created first. And when the world and physical environments are created, souls can be made too. For lightning or fire to occur, there must be a cooperation between air and earth. Lightning happens when the negative charges electrons in the bottom of the cloud are attracted to the positive charges protons in the ground. And lightning that follows creates plasma. Lightning strikes create plasma via a very strong jolt of electricity and most of the sun and other stars is in a plasma state. Certain regions of Earth's atmosphere contain some plasma created primarily by ultraviolet radiation from the sun. Lightning is one of nature's ways of making plasma and scientists can replicate it in the lab by running electricity through a pair of electrodes. The strong electrical field ionizes air molecules and turns them into plasma. And then he's got a picture of uh, Zeus and Jupiter with his lightning bolt. You also know, too, that the god Yahweh, Jehovah, YHVH, the reason why he won his war against Baal when the, the ancient priest class were like, oh, my God's better. Yahweh's God, no, Baal's God, right? Because Yahweh had the lightning. In the story, that's how it goes. When they invoked Yahweh, a, a lightning flash happened. So, therefore, he won the war. So now we have three elements involved in the process. Lightning, fire, the distance between the cloud and the earth, air, and the ground itself, earth. Lacking thus far as water. Therefore, the lightning bolt must be directed to strike into a body of water such as a lake. We humans were created at Lake Baikal in current southern Russia. Did you know that? This is usually done with a mix between mind power and science. This part is often done by the archangels as the mother goddess's helpers. They are created to have control over the elements and can manipulate them on a metaphysical mind level. They are the experts on this, and logically archangels do not need to be present in all creation, but manipulating the elements is one of their tasks and their expertise. In esoteric literature, manipulating the elements is called magic, or magic with a K, or theurgy. When the lightning gets it's in when the lightning gets in contact with water, we have all the four elements included in the process of making a soul mind. And after having the four elements manipulated and molded together, we have created a conscious soul with a mind of its own. We have created life. 
And now we have a soul made of bioelectricity. What's this guy? And then we have the homunculus and the golems. No, I'm just playing. It's a Frankenstein story. So bioelectricity is the electrical currents and electrical potentials generated by or occurring within living cells, tissues, and organisms. For example, neurons conduct signals by using electrical fields. As we can see in the above quote, the soul is located within the cells or the human body. And the astral, which is the realm of the minds, we are able to create images of our thoughts, which can, if we concentrate enough, be animated and get their own consciousness to some degree, becoming what many call thought forms. And you can, I actually uh, narrated a book on Audible called Thought Forms by Annie Besant under uh, Adult Brain Publishing, if you want to go listen to that. Every soul has a double body, an astral body made of plasma, a so-called astral body, which is a manifestation of the soul mind, copying the structure of the physical body. Thus, when we die, the soul withdraws from the cells and unites with the double. I think the Bible calls it the twin. Maybe. I don't know. The astral body with which they can travel in the astral. This is the same avatar people who have out-of-body experiences used to move around within the astral landscape. I need a sound clip for that. This projection avatar is connected with the soul inside our body via a silver cord. I don't think so, man. So long as the body is still alive. Or maybe, I, maybe I'm a weird being because I definitely didn't have a silver cord attached to me. I don't think. It doesn't, I mean, or maybe that's a metaphor for something. I don't know, man, because that would be weird. The same thing applies to near-death experiences. It's important for the creator God or gods when they create souls to proceed in the same world the soul or soul group will evolve. So these souls can be connected to the structure of the four elements representative for that particular world. This is also why Barbara McCarniak's Pleiadians are so persistent with pointing out we are children of nature and that we belong to this planet. They are partly correct, but it's a half-truth. Earth is a piece of a much bigger planet where evolution started, and Earth is not our home. This will be more and more obvious as we proceed with our story. As is the case, even with humans, females can theoretically give birth to a child without a male involved, also called virgin birth or parthenogenesis. Although this is far from a natural process in humans, but is the case among bees, for example, it is not impossible. The opposite is not true, of course. A sperm cannot create a child without a female egg. The Orion Queen is both androgynous and hermaphroditic. She gave birth to two sons from unfertilized eggs, signifying there was no male involved. And in our ancient records, the eldest one in Sumerian times went under the title Enki and the younger brother we know as Enlil. And Enki and Enlil were both princes of Orion and the queen planned for Enki, the firstborn, to one day inherit the throne of Orion, something I'll discuss in more detail later. The two brothers had very different personalities. Prince Enki was more outgoing, grandiose and ambitious, which fit his role well, while Prince Enlil was more laid back and more level-headed and reflective. I mean, how can you know that stuff? Well, 
if you want to ask about the silver cord thing, because I see you guys talking about it, I'm 134% confident that I had an out-of-body experience. Not a dream, not a lucid dream, a full-fledged out-of-body experience. I did not experience, nor did I see, witness, touch, or feel a silver cord. I would ask other people that are very proficient, like Thomas Campbell and all these other people about it. And then if somebody says they have one, then either some people do or some people don't or somebody ain't telling the truth. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm thinking. The silver cord could be like a word or like it means your connection with the body. And once it's cut, you're cut from the body because there, like there is this like when you get outside the body, there is this crazy like pull towards the body. Even the, this a uh, uh, few times when I got out, and I couldn't see anything like I was feeling around on my desk, but I couldn't see anything like there's still like this crazy like it feels magnetic, like a pull to it. So maybe that's what they're talking about. So different titles assigned to the two brothers. Enkian and Lil are just two titles of many that humans have assigned to these two brothers based on the Aryan language they inherited from their first home in Ka. Their real names, not titles, are also in the Aryan language, but are never discussed in public. Instead, to understand who these beings are and how they have influenced us and our global cultures, I will give you some examples below. These are titles we stumble upon in the ancient text, and they all refer to the same two beings. Other names and titles for Inki in history are Ea, Neptune, Poseidon, Ta, Odin, Quetzalcoatl, Sinanar, Nergal, Oannes, Dagon, Nimrod, Osiris, Aten or Aton, Pluto, Hades, Lucifer, Eros, Pan, Zeus, Chiron, Atlas, Dionysus, Bacchus, Prometheus, Yaldabaoth. I sounds like I'm doing an invocation. Y'all better duck. Samael, Krishna, Rama, Varuna, Yama, or Yehovah. Samyaza, Archangel Uriel, Vishnu, and Brahma, or even the false Brahma. Other names and titles for Enlil in history are Ninurta, Kingu, Horus the Elder, Set, Saturn, Kronos, Sabaoth, Archangel, Michael, Second in Command, and Yeshua. The Syrian Star Race. The Syrian Star Race is older than us, the Aryan Soul Group. We know them as a wolf and reptilian species with feline characteristics. So they are mixed between dog, cat, and reptile. And because their wolfen characteristics are prominent, Sirius was even in ancient times known as the dog star. And like Homo sapiens sapiens, they have male and female genders. But it's a greatly patriarchal society. Both genders have golden brown, dark, or red manes. And they are short in stature, but strong and quick in movement. They are born warriors. And in Aryan language, the word for dog is dak, D-A-K-H. And therefore, Orion called these warriors the dak warriors. On the battlefield, they are infamous for eating their defeated enemies. Yikes. Yeah, like, don't ask, like, I'm going to type that after the show's over, too. I'm going to type in Thomas Campbell, Silver Cord, you know, like the people I know for sure are like plugging out of body experiences and 
you guys got to listen to Thomas Campbell's stuff on this. If you're, um, if you're a really left brain thinker, like logical, reasonable, scientific, pretty much every question has been asked to that guy and he's murdered it. And he's, I got to get him back on the show, man. He's awesome. I think Thomas Campbell, even though he says we live in a virtual reality, the way he explains it is so cool. Even love and all this other stuff, even religion, everything like. I think he's ahead of his time almost even now. So the Syrian culture is hierarchical to the extreme and only the physically strongest and most ferocious males can reach leader status and ultimately become what is called con kings. Often call them cons for short, ruling over their particular tribe. And on top of that, they have a global king called the con. What is that? The conus canoe. And the females are equally ferocious and refuse to be with a male that is not strong and competitive. In their culture, they frown upon weakness. Before a female agrees to mate with a male, he must defeat her in battle. Hell yeah, let's go to that planet. And if he fails, he is not worthy of her. That's so, I am an Aries, that's so romantic to me. Listen, if you kick my ass, then I'll love you forever. It'd be fun. <laughs> so crazy, man. No, so in all seriously, if I had the perfect girlfriend, it would be like the, the girl from Tron. The one that he took out of the digital world. Hasn't been screwed up by this one. I'm sure girls would say the same thing, right? So a male often keeps a harem of females, which shows his strength as a warrior. Being able to defeat all these mostly equally physically powerful females and other competing males. Males sometimes steal females from other males. And if the original husband cannot steal her back, the female prefers to stay with the male who stole her because he is now the stronger male. Sounds pretty barbaric. I'm sure that's that sounds real, though, like especially if that was like ancient history and to a lesser degree. We see much of this mirrored in our own human societies based on our patriarchal worldview. What if this guy's like projecting the stuff in this book? Amazon. Shit. The Syrians developed in an extremely harsh environment where survival was often the focus of the day. So they became a warrior race. Well, if they're a warrior race, then yeah, man, like, you want everybody to be badasses, right? Most lacking what we call empathy and compassion. And in times of need, they were famous for eating their young. Oof. This is weird. Dude, you're getting weird. The characters have often wittingly or unwittingly been portrayed in Hollywood science fiction movies, where the villain star race can be very similar to real Syrian characters. I stumbled upon this star race from different sources, Robert Morningsky being one. He is a half Apache, half Hopi researcher, mostly known for his lectures based on his e-book, The Terra Papers, which he published in the 90s. And I would say he was more accurate than most in his research. He dug deeply into linguistics and very ancient history, spending decades to do so. And starting his journey by following upon native Indian oral traditions with his Hopi tribe and continuing from there, he eventually came upon the Syrian star race. And this is how he described them. Primitive wolf and humanoid males had broad chests and with little or no waist, large and powerful buttocks with strong thighs and thick calves. 
primitive wolf and females had large chests and a very slight feminine curve to their bodies. They had large hips and muscular legs. And all, although they had lost most of their thick and coarse body hair, they still retained a fine dark hair all over their torsos. Their arms were large and muscular. Their wrists were thick and their hands broad and rounded. Unlike the long fingers of the reptilian beings of Orion, the wolfen ones had shorter and fatter fingers. Their necks were also thick and quite short. The large broad heads of their primitive primate ancestors had become slightly more rounded, but their square lower jaws still gave them a very imposing appearance. They had been broad noses. They had broad noses with piercing hunter's eyes, a large forehead and small ears. And perhaps the most dominating feature of all, hair. Lots of hair. The manes of their ancestors had given them coarse beards on the faces of the males and long, side, long sideburns with chin whiskers on the females. As wolfen women braided their hair, so too wolfen men braided their beards. Their hair and beards ranged in color from a golden brown to dark shades of auburn brown to a deep jet black. One race even had thick and long manes of deep red hair. When take together, all of these features serve to give the wolfen people the distinct resemblance of the humanoid or with humanoid lions. So they look like humanoid lions. Scary some bitches, these people. You don't need a small caliber weapon for those folks. I, I see. I would add one thing to this description. They allegedly had horns, which is not insignificant because the length of their horns signifies a strong and healthy bloodline. And those with longer horns often increase faster in rank. The Syrians are, as we shall see later, involved in keeping our matrix alive and under control. And the Palladians, channeled by Barbara, what is that, Marciniak? Marciniak say that besides employing us humans as slave labor and to fulfill their own goals they're also using us as a food source both in a physical and metaphysical sense they eat us literally when they feel like it but they also eat our energy by manipulating us into states of fear terror anxiety hate and other lower vibrational emotions and conditions we can sometimes see this being dramatized in satanic rituals and in various occult practices among initiated humans in addition, the Palladians say the star race also drinks our blood because the soul is contained in the blood cells. This is the reason why the ancient texts and occult secret societies claims that gods ate their own children, and by doing that they also ate people's soul energy. Curiously enough, the Syrian prince Atusamas, pronounced Shamash, also known as Marduk, whom I was in brief contact with in 2010, told me after I had presented this barbaric description of him and his star race, I was surprisingly correct describing the Syrians. Come on, man. Okay, so. He channeled that. Going to the next page. Although this sounds like a description of a horrific star race which it is to a large extent, they are souls, just like we are, but with different genetics and environmental evolution, creating skilled warriors. However, as we shall see, there were many of them who eventually converted and aligned with the Orion Defense Force. Over time, the Syrians became a technologically advanced star race, although they always kept to a strict hierarchy. 
the Syrians become a space faring race. Damn. This is a fun book. I wish I had more time. I have it from three different. It's the last show of the week. I might do a little extra. I don't know. Then we just like party all weekend. I have it from three different, very separate sources, how the Syrians over time started engaging in space travel and in conquest. Their sturdy bodies made them one of the rare star races who could, with the right equipment, travel through space in their original bodies. Therefore, they didn't need to choose between staying in their physical home world or remain souls only and nano-traveling through the universe. It should be noted, though, that over time, there have been Syrians who left their physical bodies behind like most other star races. Genevieve said, was he channeling this info? Red flags. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. All of our texts, I don't, I'm just stating the obvious here, but every ancient scroll that you live by was channeled. Every single one of them. If you embrace religion, it was channeled somehow. Oh, man, you calling in, Pepe? I'll call you back, man. Is that you? Always, I might be wrong, but every single one was filled with some spirit that told them to say something or they saw a spirit. So this is why I, I how like I, I say this over and over and over again, like we have to do our own conscious exploration. We have to. I mean, in order for us to like figure this out, hey, bro. what's up, man? You got it. You got something you want to chime in with? Yeah, I just wanted to. I love calling into shows, so I apologize if I'm annoying, but I'm gonna uh, just do it quickly. <laughs> cool. um, what I understand, as like everything you're reading, I've I've heard and read in multiple different books, and it's mm-hmm. like a conglomerate or whatever, which is kind of cool. But I'm, what my question is, because as of maybe the last five ten years, I've just been going towards more, um, not a cynical black pill angle, but more of a logical angle. You know what I mean? Where logic has to be in control of the situation. And a lot of this is just simply not illogical in its like story or whatever. Cause I mean, very well could have been a hundred thousand years ago. Things were very different. You know what I mean? But what I'm trying to figure out is why they always have the same, virgin birth um you know everything is the that's same a good, like, that's from, a very good point like they so like they they ra- they'll know, always Chinese. talk about a story that wraps around yeah. the teachings of religion and say well this is what yeah. they really meant and this is what this really means it's something more than that and in this book what yeah. he's saying is is yeah the, they got the reptilian syrian orion thing backwards mm-hmm. right Right. Is what he's what saying. are they saying? It's in Earth, inner Earth, or whatever. No, they're like, like here. No, like so the Orion. So everything comes from the Orion Universal oh, Matrix, right? Not Draco or whatever. Right, right. Like and that. then like that's not even ultimate reality. So all the gods no. that we've understood through our religions and mythologies and stuff have been in that been matrix. Different. And there's an even greater god than that, and all of it's oh, channeled. I don't doubt it. I mean, like I'm not. an organized religion person but i do believe in god because we could not control our body systems 
you know, for even a millisecond, if That's we were, right. you know what I mean? Like I couldn't control my liver or my bladder. There's no way or my blood, you know? So obviously something way greater was uh, creative or, you know what I mean? It's just insane. Right. But I just want to mention though, that we get caught up in always looking outwards, outwards into space, outwards into everything in the past and the future. We never focus on the now, which is a big problem. And that's how they keep us, controlled in a in a very subtle way you know what i mean like movies and shows and everything about like uh you know traveling into space and it's it just keeps your mind from focusing on yourself your inner i don't want to say god but we are gods with uh with a um what's the word when you forget an amnesia, an amnesia state, and an amnesia yeah, state. Yeah, exactly. We are pretty much a god because, and I'm not trying to, you know, say anything about religion or people who are into religion. But what I'm saying is that we're we're able to create out of nothing, you know, and that in itself is an amazing feat. You know, we can think of something and create it. Look at engineering, man. It's insane. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're we're very very um, creative as a as a human, and there are like obviously people that aren't. And that that fill the, the the holes in society, you know what I mean, like common worker bees or whatever. I mean, it is a hive, right, in the largest scheme. Yeah, but, but that's kind of simplify. Let's like simplifying it, yeah. man. You know, because the, yeah, yeah, I know these I, people kind of in a way. Kind of yeah, I'm, to, you know? I meet people all the time that work, and you know, and you get to know them personally, and, and you go oh, hang yeah, no, out with them, deep, and they're deep, like, "Damn, deep. I created yeah. this," or they got art or music. Yeah, no, no, or, I, I don't mean it in that respect. But I mean, sometimes you look at societies that are built around workers. Like I'm, I'm not being a, a nationalist or anything like that, but Chinese, they're very worker or based, you know. Yeah. But man, you talk to them about my, uh, other stuff, and it's very, it's, it's similar ideals with every single one of them. I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously, man, but you know what I mean. Like it's, it's totally different in the West. You know, our views about life and death are very different. You know what I mean? Sure, but just to play devil's advocate here, yeah. If you were to explain some of these answers intuitively, instead of looking outwardly into other mm-hmm. books and texts and stuff, what do you think? Where do you think that Adam and Eve come from? Or is it real and all this stuff? And you don't have to be right. But what I'm trying to stress oh. here, just because it's channeled or, or in its intuition doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean it's all wrong either, right? We know that. Too. No, no, absolutely. Like, yeah. why Why do so many people have the same story? Why? You know? Exactly. Unless they're just, again, parroting each other, which I doubt it to that degree. I mean, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Noah's grandfather, uh, Archon, uh, I forget, the, bo- oh, the Book of Enoch. The Book of Enoch, yeah. Noah's grandfather or something anyway, right you know that 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 brought in the the our uh, archons that suck our energy and keep us on us on a low vibra- vibratory uh level right mm-hmm. and they, they need that for food or whatever like you mentioned just a little bit ago but i mean it goes on so many levels and you know now we're like under control from you know television and uh radio waves well maybe not but microwaves and everything else keeps our vibration really low you know and there's a reason for that yeah there's a lot of uh you know prince said that before he died actually yeah yeah. he he was like he said uh 
Well, he was talking, I think he was talking about chemtrails or whatever, but there was just like this one yeah, interview. Yeah. They took it off YouTube, too. But he's like, yeah, why is everybody I, I, getting I, I, mad I, at everybody all of a sudden, like yeah. deeper and deeper? Exactly, you know? in the hood. He was saying in the hood. Yeah. He's like, all yeah, of a sudden, yeah, people yeah. just started getting mad at each other, you yeah. know? And he didn't understand it. Yeah. That's true. It's wild, man. I mean, I think we're just so lucky to be here in this time and, you know, being able to share these ideas together. And I love when you read this stuff, man. But uh, what I was going to just say is, have you ever heard of Walter Russell at all? It just sounds familiar. I'm sure I'm not good with names, but what are you talking okay. about? He, he, he was um, the only person at Tesla, the original Tesla, not <laughs> Elon Musk, DARPA dude, but... Um, the original Tesla claimed to be a genius. He's the only one who 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 he, he supported his ideas in that respect. And he, a lot of what you're re- referring to is probably based around his writings and stuff. Talking about like the electric up, universe, plasma stuff. Yeah, exactly. All that. Yeah. Well, the yeah, the the uh, polarity and how everything is just. And that's where the black and white, the up and down, all the, the Freemasonic, uh, you know, teachings, the uh, occult teachings, it's all based around that, you know, there's the female, male, blah, 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 it never ends, you know what I mean? Like, it's all that, and that's pretty much it, you know? Yeah, so I'm anyway, thinking I'll, the reason why that uh, we're we're into this text, and I appreciate your call, brother, is that that... Gareth, you know, is on his he's going on his way out, you know, he's got ALS and yeah. he's it, for some reason like he's he's diving into these books and texts and this was the second book that he he wrote. And I started looking at like this book gets deeper and deeper and more detailed and there are some twists That's in wild. it. But you know, it that's for that purpose, like just to investigate it. And Yeah, absolutely. I wish, and, and I, I don't want to come across as like a know-it-all at all. No, like man, no, I'm totally with you. Of, totally with you. I yeah, agree okay. with a lot of we're what you're saying. Questioning. Yeah. yeah, we're just trying to figure it out. I just wish that you know some people would come on here more and say, you know, I I practice like going out of body. And this is like, yeah. if I could hear them say that, or they make the same statements as like Campbell and Monroe and Buellman said, and when I did this, this happened, right? And yeah, yeah. But like those guys don't really dive into history. You know, they don't really need to. They're looking at something you know. else, you know? Yeah, they're on uh, another plane, literally. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> but Anyway, thanks so much, bro. I really love your show, so I'll see you soon again. I'm yeah, brother. Keep- I'm going to finish up. Okay. Cheers. Thanks for calling. Ciao. You're welcome. Guy makes some good points, man. You, you, all these books, they just kind of stay the same stuff, and they have twists on them and things like that, and then it gets philosophical. And then you find out in the end it's it's channeled, and then people go, oh, man. Well, the Bible was channeled. The Quran was channeled. The Vedas were channeled everything's channeled so um, I'm hoping by this weekend and we'll still read this book I'm not going to let this one go like I did the other one I mean obviously the other one was uh, the reason why John Anthony Westlake Gurdjieff so much I think it might have been this book about Beelzebub we read last night because it has a little satire to it but there's a story that kind of tells a story. One of the YouTube listeners commented about that you create these other bodies. In the end, we create these other bodies so that we can last longer or whatever. So there's nine million different theories about immortality and what's really going on. But 
this uh, E.I. Inky thing has been a really big one since the 90s, right? All right. And I, like, so I'm hoping this weekend, if I get done with some cool stuff for the Patreon, I will announce it on YouTube. Um, that there's just two levels. One's just for like, uh, there's a small, there's a free thing I'm going to do on there too, but there's a, it's just for like ad free. We've got like over 800 shows. So if you want to listen to like this show when it first started, I sounded completely different. I had crap equipment and had some of the best guests on the show. Like Robert Shock, John Anthony West, Thomas Campbell. Um, God, I can go. Who, who else was on this show? That was cool. Uh, um, pretty much everybody that I heard on Art Bell that was still alive came on the show at one point in time. So you can listen to those all ad free. And then uh, we'll do the out of body and magic stuff in the higher level on the Patreon. And I might do it. I might. I'm starting to have a lot more fun, if you can't tell. Right. So I might do some more content. I don't know. But you guys have a great weekend. Happy birthday, Stephen Ash. God, I miss that guy. If you're into magic, man, that's a good name, like Stephen Ash. I miss that dude so much. Like, if there was one guy on the planet that could convince, in my opinion, the the world that ceremonial magic is actually not this snooty, crazy thing. It's actually very spiritual and transcending and divine. It was him. Never ever talked about his rank and whatever like he just he was a good guy he was a good dude and he was like one of the very first shows I ever did that guy was like my my merlin and i remember when he passed away i was like damn it i finally found a guy that i can you know, not saying none of these other occultists that came on aren't great. They're wonderful. It's just like there was something about that dude that I wanted to keep learning from, you know. Anyways, um, we're going to roll out of here. And uh, I'm going to be working on this stuff and trying to have out-of-body experiences all weekend. So I'll post stuff up here. And then you guys join the chats, the Discord, if you want to hang out. I'll try to get the Discord going again. But... um. I think we have we have all the telegrams all in the links in the YouTube videos, the um, the the Patreon too, and then I'll leave a. I probably need to leave a link to these this guy's text too because I think this book is fairly new and I don't want to piss him off. Be like, man, you're reading my whole book online. You know what I mean? So, you guys, uh, I'm having too much fun. I don't want to sign off, man. You guys uh, have a great weekend. Happy birthday, Barbara. Happy birthday, Anthony. Good night, y'all. Sweet dreams.